Welcome to the New Books and Dance podcast. I'm your host, Takia Noor Amin. For some time now, I've been in spaces with dancers and dance scholars who lament the amount of available research on some of the Black luminaries in our field. Sometimes the need for a particular project is present for so long that its absence is taken for granted and treated as the norm. One of the missing but much-needed projects I've heard talked about over the years is a book-length treatment of the work of modern dance pioneer and scholar Dr. Pearl Primus. I'm really glad that her dear friends Peggy and Murray Schwartz decided to fill that empty space with their latest project that is as much scholarly research as it is a homage to their very dear friend. For the entirety of her 74-year lifespan, Dr. Primus worked tirelessly and diligently as a dancer, choreographer, and anthropologist, bringing the value of African culture to students and audience members around the globe. Though Primus studied and honed her approach to contemporary dance right alongside well-known artists like Martha Graham, Doris Humphrey, and Hanya Holm, her work, while known to some, has not been celebrated in the same way for its enduring impact. Pearl's career began in 1943 as she began sharing dance works that infused her commitment to social justice and racial commentary with her approach to concert dance. In The Dance Claimed Me, a biography of Pearl Primus, Peggy and Murray Schwartz examined the ways in which Pearl's career influenced dance, education, and culture, charting her life story through its beginnings in Trinidad and work with the New Dance Group up to and through her later years. Dr. Primus's extensive travels through Africa, the Caribbean, Israel, the United States, and Europe are discussed in this book and presented as an example of what the life of a committed dancer, scholar, and humanitarian can look like through hard work and dedication. Peggy and Murray were longtime personal friends of Primus and decided to take on the task of cementing her name in the literature by crafting a tender, thoughtful, and soaring biography that focuses on not only her creative work, but her lasting impact on the contemporary dance landscape. Peggy Schwartz is Professor Emeritus of Dance and former director of the dance program at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Murray Schwartz is former Dean of Humanities and Fine Arts at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He teaches literature at Emerson College. Well, on behalf of the New Books Network Dance Channel, I want to thank you both so much for agreeing to speak with me today about this wonderful book that I have right here, which I just love. Your wonderful publication, The Dance Claimed Me, a biography of Pearl Primus. So Peggy and Murray, thank you so much for agreeing to this interview. You don't know how much uh, it means to me to have you as my second interview for the Dance Channel. So just on behalf of myself and our listeners, I just want to express my gratitude and thank you for your time. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're delighted, absolutely delighted, especially to be following uh, the distinguished Brenda Dixon Gutschild. Thank you. Thank you so much. That wonderful interview. So, I want to ask first, um, as a dance scholar, an emerging dance scholar myself, I'm, of course, familiar with Dr. Primus's work. Um, and although she's been mentioned quite a bit in other dance scholarship, why do you think it's taken until now for there to be a book-length study of her life and contributions? Well, 
it's interesting. I'm actually I'm a little bit surprised because there was some wonderful work done, not a lot of uh, master's or PhD theses, but the two that were done, Beverly Barber's as a PhD thesis and uh, J.R. Glover's and master's thesis were wonderful introductory works to uh, to her work and could have been could have become could have become books so uh, you know the the work the work's been in progress for a long time the scholarship has been in progress why it took for us as her close close friends colleagues family members if you will to feel the calling I'm not really. I, I, I don't have a ready answer to that. Uh, it, the only, in terms of the dance field, her her work scanned uh, so many fields: from anthropology, education, dance. Uh, she lectured with the American Dance Therapy Association, so broadly ranged that that, in some ways, might have diffused the impact of the work and uh, of the dance work in particular, and led to people leaving it to other people to do the book. Murray, do you want to add to that? Well, uh, I think uh, <clears throat> that me. is one of the main reasons. Uh, she wasn't as widely known in the last years of her life uh, as she should have been, uh, partly because she wasn't performing and partly because she hadn't established a school, uh, but also because her work was uh, in uh, as a teacher, by and large, uh, and she was known by many, many, many pupils, but uh, not in the wider dance scene uh, at that time. Although, of course, people who knew about her historically uh, were aware of what her contributions had been. So it was kind of ironic that uh, people who were in a position to uh, put the dots together uh, ended up writing the biography, and uh, we were lucky enough to be in that position. Thank you so much for that. Murray, I want to stay with you just for a minute with this follow-up question. I think the book is wonderful. I'm really glad to have it. It's a wonderful uh, body of scholarship. Um, those who are interested in dance studies, cultural studies, history, would definitely benefit from the work, in my opinion. But I want to ask you both to chime in here. Um, who is this book for? When you were putting the document together, who would you say is the ideal audience for this work? Well, that's when, excuse me, excuse me, uh, the ideal audience is a general audience. I think her, I think her life impacted American culture and world culture so, uh, so fully in terms of the, the commitment that she made as a young black woman to her African roots and the respect that she insisted for that, for her culture, mm-hmm. that be given that culture, I think was, was pivotal in what we see in, as a flowering in this day and age of the and an understanding of how the a- Africanisms affect all of American culture. Uh, so, so I, as a, so to start with, I think it's a book that anyone would enjoy reading. It's a, it, it's a good story and it's an interesting life and it spans many cultures. 
obviously we wanted a dance a dance audience to be very interested and we were we were hoping and we want again a general dance audience we were hoping that academics would be interested in it and would uh, respect that we were wanting to tell the personal story and open up the questions for the for other academics to follow up on in terms of the uh, additional scholar, further scholarly research uh, initially i was initially the book was as I was gathering materials, I, I was the one who began the project, was for me. <laughs> Maybe any book is that way. I was, it was shortly after she died that it sort of became, uh, I started the interview process. So it began really as an act of mourning to try to meet the people who knew her and, and to connect many of her worlds. Um, Next, the book, in my mind, became for the people that I was meeting, the people who knew her and, and cared about her. They wanted her story. Uh-huh. And I wanted to make sure that it was it was reaching that particular audience. And then it gradually sort of well, both broadened out and, and focused in uh, on, uh, on the audience. Yeah. I think we also want to reach uh, uh, anyone interested in uh, the cultural and political history of this country during her lifetime. Uh, she was a very important figure from the time she emerged in the uh, late 40s and early, uh, late 30s and early 40s uh, until the end of her life. So her, her life story is important to understand uh, the, the struggles uh, and the conflicts of uh, American culture with respect to very creative black people. Uh, and and uh, she was exemplary in that way because she moved in so many different areas that were not yet open, uh, not just the dance world, but the academic world, uh, the world of teaching, the world of cultural anthropology. Uh, so she, she was, uh, you might say, global ahead of her time. Uh, and uh, we think that that is a very important to know about historically. Thank you both for that. I really appreciate you making those broader connections. Um, as someone who just, you know, recently completed my own PhD in dance and who's beginning to emerge and do into the academy, Dr. Primus is for many ways um, an inspiration, um, an ancestor that I appreciate, a spirit that I feel surrounds the work that I'm trying to do. So I'm very appreciative, not just of her life, but of your willingness to extend that story to those of us in a new generation who never had the experience of knowing her intimately, but who definitely feel her larger-than-life presence permeating our own work. So thank you so much for your work in that way. That's very, very moving. And Murray, as an educator of many years, always has said education happens one by one. If the book reaches you, you're the audience that book was for. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So along those lines, I want to ask, given the personal relationship that you had with Pearl and the closeness that you suggested earlier regarding, you know, being family members, you know, you all had a deep and enduring relationship with her. How did you deal with questions of research objectivity when trying to put the work together? Okay, well, I think that, uh, Rather than being uh, a tension or a problem, our personal relationship actually 
led us to try to be as objective as possible because it, it was out of respect for her life, respect for her influence, uh, respect for her as a, as a separate individual uh, that uh, we, we were trying to tell the story. And so uh, knowing her uh, as we did uh, made us uh, more responsible for objectivity rather than less. Uh, and I think that's in general uh, an obligation of biographers to, to try to reach empathically uh, the, the intimate life of your subject, but not to confuse yourself with the subject, to uh, maintain a very strict sense of responsibility for uh, history, factuality, uh, and for her point of view. And what I would add to that is I, I think a problem that many biographers uh, struggle with is a feeling of possessiveness of, the, of a legacy. We have materials, we had information, and you know, I would hear that someone else was doing something or had written something or whatever, and, I've, and I, I would often have to put, insist to myself to step back, that that was wonderful. This was not just mine. This was not just ours. This really, it's, it's the purpose of the work, is to make sure that other people can gain access and understanding and, uh, and to be giving it, free, to give what we have, our knowledge and experience with her as freely as possible. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, what do you see contemporarily as the enduring legacy of Pearl Primus's work on the concert dance scene? When you think about the sort of contemporary dance landscape, how do you see her influences continuing to permeate that even now in 2012? Even now in 2012, in the very concrete sense, we have the work of Jawali Willa Josaler with Urban Bushwomen, which has... The work that Jowalade has created based on Pearl Primus's life and work began with a project in Massachusetts in the Five College Dance Department. That's when that's when Jowale and I connected, and that that set Jowale on a path of deepening her research into the material and working with people who had also worked with Pearl to create the pieces that she did. The, the two the walking with Pearl cycle, the Southern Diaries and the African Diaries. So in a very in a very concrete sense, the work that we did generated that very specific work based on Pearl Primus's work onto the concert stage. In the more general sense, that African dance has become so much a part of the, the of popular American culture as well as the uh, concert dance work, I think is direct legacy and direct heritage. We took our grandchildren to see Lion King last spring. Drilling. It's the second set of grandchildren that we've taken. I mean, it's just a, it's an incredible experience, that show. Uh, and I see that as I see that as legacy. I see that as 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 what the work that Pearl did under underpinning the uh, the acceptance and the importance of that work. Um, you know, Fela, that's a whole other discussion. But I but you know, I, I think that Fela would not have existed. It's, it's in it's in line of a heritage. Uh, uh, it's not that she's directly responsible or it's directly re, uh, relating to her work, mm -hmm. but she really opened up the stage for American culture, which has now fed into a more popular 
culture. It's not just high art. Well, also her her influence had to do with a general attitude uh, that she embodied and promoted from very uh, early in her life and her work, which she kept calling the beauty and dignity of African cultures. Uh, at the, in the 1940s and 50s, this was far from an accepted idea. Uh, and she came back from Africa and quite literally embodied it in her dress, in her attitude toward uh, her work, and her attitude toward uh, social progress. So uh, she was a forerunner of uh, changes in American society that uh, we now almost take for granted, but were quite a struggle when she began them. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you putting um, that in context in terms of the time period. You know, um, I find for myself as an educator that my students have a very strange perspective about time. You know, they sort of imagine that uh, life is on this sort of forward march towards progress and that eventually things, of course, just get better. And I often have to remind them that, yes, things get better, but it is because of people like Dr. Primus who pushed against prevailing attitudes that life changes. And I also appreciate you um, talking about contemporary performance and being able to make that connection between her embodiment and advocacy and use of African dance and African movement idioms in her own work, which we now see as so much woven into and emblematic of American popular culture that one would almost take it for granted. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you both for that. Mm-hmm. And just to add to it, a performance this weekend, which we missed due to terrible weather, uh, Diane McIntyre was being honored by the American Dance Guild, and they were restaging a work of hers that, uh, with former cast members. And there were, I, I believe, 20 dancers involved, African-American women, celebrating the movement, the culture, each other. I see, and I, I see that as as an apotheosis kind of, of, of the work that Dr. Primus did. She, she opened up an arena for African-American women, especially. Thank you so much for that. I want to ask, particularly given your intimate relationship with Dr. Primus, what is the one thing about her as an artist and as a scholar that you would really want people to know about her? Well, I think we can say that uh, in one word, which is central to the book, authenticity. We'd like people to know that in every respect, she stood for being authentic as an artist, as a person, uh, in her relationships with others. Uh, She was always fully herself. Uh, She never was putting on a front. She never pretended to believe or say anything she didn't. Uh, And she didn't take to inauthenticity very well either. So that's the one thing that I think is really central. (laughs) And maybe something one would argue that's lacking in our life today. So (laughs) when I think about our current political landscape, I could definitely uh, am in the market for a little more authenticity. So (laughs) thank you so much for that. Can you you share with our listeners, um, those folks who tune into the dance channel are really book lovers and book enthusiasts. So can you share with us what you might say are some distinguishing features of the book? 
Yes, I think that one of the things that really distinguishes it is we try to, we tell her story in three ways, essentially. There's a narrative, the written story of her life. There's a, uh, a photo essay in the middle of the book. And at the end of the book, there's a very detailed chronological timeline uh, of her life, which I hope we hope will open up again the research for other scholars and that that timeline is will keep that it will continue to be added to in time uh, over time as more research is done i think that's a, that's a, an important feature of the book and that it is told in those three ways we we also wanted uh, to write in a, in a very accessible and open style mm-hmm. uh, one that would reach various audiences uh, and that would not depend on uh, many specialized terms or uh, many of the uh, terms that have become current even in fields like cultural studies. So we wanted, we wanted uh, the, uh, the book to be uh, available without oversimplifying. Uh, and uh, that, I have to say, took a lot of work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges that um, is sort of commonplace amongst younger scholars, those of us who are sort of trying to do dissertation to book projects, is to get out of that jargon and get out of the use of um, sort of overly scholarly terms, particularly when writing for a general audience, but at the same time balancing it so that you aren't watering down the complexity of your subject. So I really appreciate that intentionality with the work. And I would also say that the book itself is just beautiful. I love the photo essay. Mm -hmm. But what I really appreciate is that for scholars interested in doing similar kinds of projects, it's just a lovely model. Mm-hmm. In terms of how you might want to organize a project, you know, how you might want to infuse the narrative, the photo essay, and then the chronological or timeline pieces. So even if someone was studying a different topic or certainly a different person, it's a wonderful model that now is present for junior mm-hmm. scholars to use. So thank you so much for that contribution. Mm-hmm. Thank you. What were some of the challenges that you faced in putting the book together and mm. how, how did you meet them? Um, I don't want to give the image that doing projects like this is simple. So I would love if you could share with our audience some of the challenges that you faced and how you met them in developing the work. Well, the challenges were many there, uh, in terms of locating people. There, I knew she would talk to, over many years. Pearl would talk to me about very, various, all sorts of things, and she would drop the names of people that had been involved with her at this point in her life, that point, um, at this university, or uh, at that concert, whatever. And, and the name stayed with me. So, I, one of the, so the challenge, an initial challenge, was just beginning to locate locate people. It took several years, for instance, to track down her first husband and have arrange for those interviews and have a fairly extensive email correspondence with him. And that was central to understanding who she was and what those early years were uh, about. um, She was, in addition to the New York dance scene, the the luminaries, the Judith Jamesons and the Alvin Ailey's and the rest of it, she was active and close, very close to a, uh, a Trinidadian dance group in Brooklyn. 
I knew those names, and I found those people, the Hunter, the Hunter College people. So I had to start finding the people whose names that I knew in order to get the basic material. That was that was a, a real challenge. Um, and then, and then there was the challenge of organizing this massive amount of information, interviews, letters, uh, photographs, hundreds uh, to sift through. Uh, and uh, to find uh, a publisher that would uh, cooperate with uh, what we felt was the most essential dimensions of, of, of the research. And we were very, very fortunate to find Yale and our editor, Eileen Smith, uh, who worked with us to make many, many decisions about how to shape all this material into a manageable size uh, and a good story. Uh, and so uh, that challenge led us to our little house in Vieques in Puerto Rico, where we spent three months never leaving the island once at opposite ends of a table, emailing chapters up and back until we had uh, agreed on the shape of each chapter and then the shape of the whole book. Uh, and so... Uh, the, the, the step by step, uh, what was an amount of material uh, became, you know, what we have today, and it happened through a lot of cooperation and a lot of help. One of the other cha one of the challenges I experienced, I think, more, maybe more than Murray, was that was keep maintaining focus on on Pearl and the writing. I, I became so intrigued by the stories that other people had to tell and that their lives were so rich in terms of how they developed, where they went, so including, so there was too much material and our editor kept saying, keep focus on Pearl, keep focus on Pearl, not not to get distracted by the the, the surrounding lay of the land as such. I mean, of course, it, it was important material. That and then also dealing with our own personal stories with her, um, the sort of how how to integrate ourselves into the story without overwhelming it, and again, to make sure that the focus stayed where it needed to be. Yeah, I, I'd like to mention two other challenges. <laughs> One, it took two years for us to get the FBI file through the Freedom of Information Act, which was an important part of her story. And we also had to learn a lot more than we thought at the beginning about the history of West Indians in American, especially New York culture. And that turned out to be a, not just a challenge, but a great pleasure uh, because we did learn a lot. And we actually found ourselves after the book was published, uh, very welcomed by that community uh, and feeling very at home there. It's really exciting to hear you talk about how doing the project was a journey for you, not just in terms of um, an intellectual exercise, but in terms of deepening your own knowledge about history and culture surrounding her life. And I just really am so inspired and moved by the intentionality that you brought with you to really make sure that you were creating something that was um, reflective of the authenticity that she brought forward that you mentioned earlier. So I thank you so much for sharing that. I want to ask, 
have there been any big surprises regarding the critical and popular <laughs> response to the work? How are people responding to the work? I've read several sort of glowing reviews, but has there been any surprise to you in terms of the response to the book? The, the responses keep pleasing us very, very deeply. Uh, we just today got another review from the Dance Research Journal, and it's a wonderful review. It, it, uh, it understood exactly, uh, she really understood what we were intending to do, felt that we met our goals, and that it opens up avenues of scholarship for other other projects in, in terms of the historical context of aspects of Pearl's life. What was hap- What else was happening in the 40s and 50s? We, we address that in relationship to Pearl, but it don't give the, the, a, a larger uh, uh, explication. So the the reviews, the response has been from many people one of great gratitude for the book, uh, and that pleases us very much. That's on the we keep getting personal notes. There's an older woman, Ava Zerker. We write about her in the book. Uh, was Pearl's friend early on. Went to Trinidad in the fifties with Pearl and, and knew her the rest of her life. And she emails me recently from California that she reads the book every day like a Bible. <laughs> and that's just so moving to me. I mean, that it could be touching her at such a personal level and bringing back so much for her. So on the historical and the academic, it's being well received. And on the personal, it's being well received. Yeah. Uh, I'd say I was uh, both very gratified and a little surprised at how the book, which describes the various worlds and uh, different kinds of people she worked with and lived with, how it actually brought these people together. When we had the book launch at the 92nd Street Y, uh, there was a community of people there who never would have seen one another except that they were connected with Pearl. And the same thing happened at the Schomburg uh, presentation last spring, uh, which was a kind of Pearl Prima's reunion uh, People, one after another, people stood up to tell their stories. They wanted everyone else to know about their uh, history and relation with Pearl. Uh, that was a little surprising, although I guess looking back on it, it shouldn't have been surprising, but it actually happened. You know, it just sounds wonderful to think about how one life was able to weave together so many lives and so many overlapping experiences that create a richness which comes through in the work and continues to resonate in your experiences as authors and in the experiences of readers. So I'm just really moved by that. And I really think Pearl would have been moved to mm-hmm. and weaving weaving a life was one of the early working titles because the, so they used the word weaving because it was from so many directions i love that we're on the same page with that that's wonderful <laughs> you really are <laughs> well lastly i just want to ask um What's next for you? Do you have any projects on tap that you're working on that might be of interest to our listening audience? Mm-hmm. Yes. I've, last year was a full year of book launch activities and lectures and coaching choreography and travels connected with the book. And this year that's continuing, but to a, light, a lighter degree at our, at our need. <laughs> um, we have a lot of video material that we need to need to and we have a small grant from Emerson College that will help us get started with 
professionalizing that. We've used those materials in lectures, but we, until we have it in a more organized uh, format, we're not ready to just kind of send it off into the world. We don't want to hold on to it indefinitely because it's terrific material. But so that's that's a big project that uh, that we're looking forward to getting to work on and editing the transcripts so that they can also be archived. Those those are the main projects for me. Murray's still teaching. I've retired, and so I have. I, I can focus a little bit more on, on all of this right now, and we'll probably, but we'll both be working on these, this together. And uh, Peggy is also think, thinking about uh, a book for children, an illustrated book about Pearl's life. Uh, my colleague and our friend, uh, Jabari Asim, who uh, has written several children's books uh, and who edits the NAACP journal Crisis, uh, he uh, has encouraged us to uh, put together uh, a plan for a children's book, and Peggy's been working on that too. We will be continuing to lecture. We will be at Middlebury College in October. There's a little bit of little bit of promoting now and whatever, um, but we're giving an all college lecture, the Abernathy College lecture, and then a, a dance history class. We'll be at New Rochelle at Iona College in November, and um, another New Rochelle experience coming up later. But we we have a we have a lecture that we've enjoyed giving many places. So if any of you are listening from colleges and universities, you know, and, and are looking for this material, we'd be delighted to hear from you and and share and share um, share the work that we've been doing. Well, on behalf of myself and the listeners of the Dance Channel, it has been such a pleasure to talk to both of you this morning. Um, we are very appreciative of your time and of your diligent and thoughtful scholarship in bringing this book to fruition. And I'm going to go on record right now and say, if you ever get that children's book done, <laughs> I'll be sure to bring you back for an interview. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. A wonderful interview. Thank you. You've been listening to an interview with Peggy and Murray Schwartz, authors of The Dance Claimed Me, a biography of Pearl Primus. The book is published by Yale University Press and is available now in hardcover and paperback at local booksellers and online retailers. I'm Takia Nuramin, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast from the New Books Network Dance Channel. Thanks for listening.